Welcome to our next episode of Fun with Procurement. We're putting the cool back into procurement as if it ever left. I'm your host, Emma Edwards, and I'm with the marketing team at 2x2. This episode is sponsored by our friends over at Freedom Media, who are making the podcast possible today. We're joined again today by Rob Kissek, CEO of 2x2, and Nathan Swinney, head of category at 2x2. This episode's topic is why being poor at contract management can cost you. At the end of the episode, we'll know the pitfalls of uh, managing contracts and how to make your contract work for you. Hello, Rob, Nathan. We're going to start with a, an important question again. What do you wish you'd known 10 years ago? Rob? Yeah, I think in terms of things I wish I'd known 10 years ago, I think knowledge-wise, I've probably learned an awful lot over the last 10 years. 10 years ago, 2 by 2 was uh, about 18 months old. And in that time, we've, we've gone from about four of us to, uh, to over 60 staff. So it's been a heck of a learning curve. It's probably a lot of stuff I'd like. But I think actually one of the things that makes our team so good is the people. So I actually wish I'd known some of the people that I know now through working with them in 2 by 2 oh. I wish I'd known them 10 years ago because that would have been a real oh, bonus. That's lovely. That's a good answer. Oh, and I wish I'd known you as well, Rob, 10 years me. ago. Clearly it includes me. Yeah. I think for me, um, I wish I'd known the lottery numbers 10 years ago, if, I, <laughs> if I'm honest. I think uh, that, that would have made a, a, a great impact on, on my life. And I could have invested in, in two by two, Rob, I think. In all seriousness, I think to get more sleep. So I didn't realise 10 years ago that I'd have um, the number of kids that I do. And um, I could have done with a lot more sleep 10 years ago to prepare. I think you probably missed out on 10 years of sleep. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> okay, let's yeah. uh, dive into the uh, topic of contract management then. Can you give us some examples that you've seen in um, your careers of poor contract management? And we'll start with Nathan this time. Oh, I've seen some horrific examples of of contract management. Uh, the worst ones, I have to say, the, and the ones that really, really bother me are the adversarial contract management. So what we've got to remember is that we deal with humans, people, and that contracts ultimately are relationships. Suppliers are people. And I've seen some horrific contract managers who have treated suppliers really badly you know, thumped uh, the the uh, the table, demanding better results and better outcomes and threats. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're everybody's in the same boat. We're all trying to to achieve the best we can for our families and to, and to earn a living. And I think adversarial contract management just is a is a lose lose every single time. So I think that's that's one of the worst types of contract management I've seen, and, and basically just results in no relationship. The supplier will do the very minimum they can because basically they don't like you and and that's awful isn't it you know we don't we don't want to come to work to not be liked um i've seen some poor contract management on the basis of of what we call let and forget so we you know the hard work's been done we've procured it we've got a great supplier we've got great prices great terms great quality mm. we've done a good job on our procurement so we can forget about it now you know, and that that is a really bad example of, of, of contract management, even the best procurement, you could run the most perfect procurement process in the world, it will still need managing, it still needs monitoring, you know, suppliers, yes, need holding to account, but also you need to build that relationship. That's as much as important as possible in services contracts. 
So where you're working with a supplier who's perhaps an outsourced supplier or someone that's dealing with services or really importantly, who's representing your business or your organization to your customers, it's very important that you don't let and forget that you do meet with your suppliers regularly. So uh, the other type of bad contract management is what we call evergreen contracts. And this is where a supplier basically just keeps rolling over your contract. You've got no idea of where you stand in terms of the contract duration, what terms you're on, what prices you're meant to be paying, what you're actually meant to be delivering. And what can sometimes happen is there's a change of person within your organization, say, you know, someone that was managing a contract has moved on, retired, gone to another job, you know, and basically that contract has been left or handed to someone who doesn't really own it or take responsibility. And what happens is in those cases, the supplier will manage it and the supplier will naturally manage it in a way that's going to suit them and uh, their outcomes. So it's about finding that win-win balance. But yes, there's been some pretty terrible contract management examples out there from adversarial to forgetting about it to being completely managed by a supplier and, and never having a handle on it. Thanks, Nathan. I guess that's where um, supplier relationship management comes in as well then to keep the communication open. Absolutely. Rob, well, have you got any examples of um, uh, poor contract management? Far too many, unfortunately. I think the I've seen so, some horrific clauses within contracts and quite often it does come down to this kind of let and forget well i've done it and and, and then over to over to you know whoever it is to to receive the goods or get the, the service delivered i think contract management as nathan says is very much about relationships ultimately procurement is about relationships and in the the strength of that relationship how you build those relationships is, is absolutely critical and I've, I've seen clauses in contracts that have been put in where you know you have a contract and it says you know we, we will you have you bear the right to exit this contract if we don't give you a pay if we don't give you a cost increase of 10 percent or 15 percent every year i.e if the supplier doesn't increase the cost then wow. you can leave you know it, it's so one-sided and that comes really from mm. right at the start not engaging with the suppliers and understanding the suppliers understanding who you're who you're getting into business with effectively when you're contracting so poor contract management starts right at the start in understanding what it is you're, you're trying to buy and understanding what the value is in the contract both to yourselves and as the procurement person as the person buying it and also to to the supplier. And I think the other side of contract management then in terms of where it can fall down is, is engaging your wider stakeholders. So procurement is a, a facilitating department. It's a, it's a department which brings other parts of the business together or an organization together to be able to deliver something. And if you don't do that well and you don't engage your other stakeholders in a contract, then quite often you can find you can think, well, I'm this is being delivered and it's being delivered at the price that they said it was should have been delivered at and it's been delivered on time. And But actually, sometimes the need within the organisation has changed. And if you don't continually engage with the stakeholders within your organisation during the lifetime of a contract, then it's, it's quite, can become quite quite easy for that contract to become less and less relevant and then as a result of that delivering less and less value to you as an organization so yeah. i think that i think that's certainly can key areas where i've seen poor contract management in the past yeah that that's a great example rob and uh, some some of the classic ones are around uh, scope creep um so I, I as you say rob you know where where things change and and as a result of that change a supplier can go well yes we can account for that change but it's going to cost you 
you know, and this is where if you have variation clauses in your contract, you know, you can agree, you know, certain variations and what the basis of that, that renegotiation of that price is, you know, agreement disputes, you know, whose terms win in certain circumstances. And again, that goes back to whose terms did you sign? You know, was it our, was it your terms, you know, our terms as the buyer or was it the supplier's terms? How reasonable are those terms? Another one is overcommitment. You know, as the supplier overcommitted, have they stretched themselves? And, you know, they may have been desperate to win the business and, and promised the earth, but actually it was undeliverable in terms of the price. So I think one of the things buyers often, as procurement people often um, recognise is that we, we take responsibility not just for ourselves, but we, we have to take responsibility for our suppliers as well to a degree and, and make sure that they're not getting into contract situations which they can't handle you know and that comes back to how well that procurement has been undertaken and how you've evaluated suppliers but yes emma there's been some really bad contract management examples of as we've said and i'm sure some of the listeners here might have some some examples and if you do get in touch we want to hear about those and how we can maybe help we had an example from a few years back and i think one of the one of the challenges with contract management is you focus on one area of it Back in the day when I used to do procurement in emergency responses, we procured some blankets, as an example, and and as part of the procurement, there was the procurement of the blankets and, and part of the contract was the delivery of those goods into a into a country that, that, that needed them at the time. And they were procuring, they were, they were producing these blankets uh, and as part of the, the process, we had an inspection process in place that was verifying the quality of the blankets to the right standard. So we had all the kind of things that were in place that we thought, well, we've got the contract management year, we've got, we're talking to the supplier, we've got the inspection there to ensure the quality, we've got the delivery and we've arranged for that. But what, what happened was actually the first produ- lot of blankets that were produced, the supplier produced the blankets, they went in for inspection and between the inspection happening and the results of the inspection, the report coming to us, they shipped the, the blankets and actually the blankets failed inspection. And we had a choice when we when we got them. We kind of looked at the inspection and actually slightly kind of the stitching around the edge of the blankets effectively wasn't the standard and they were starting to come undone. We think, well, how do we do this? You've got a choice. You can either go in and, you know, slam the supplier and say, well, you know, this was completely unacceptable. We're not paying for this. Da, 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 da. But actually the better approach the approach that we took was to say, well, why are the blankets failing? What What is wrong with the stitching? And it turned out the machines that they had were, were not good at doing 90 degree stitches. So we said, okay, well, let's do rounded corners on the blankets. And we ended up working with the supplier and actually changing the design of what they did. Mm. But I think it could have been really easy, pressures on emergency, we've got to get these things. And you can become, you know, it, it can be quite, uh, you can quite naturally go to a kind of an adversarial place at times and think, you've just got to mm. deliver this. But actually we wanted to build a relationship with that supplier. So it's, it's how do you kind of take that example of, of where it could have been, a, it was something that was going wrong but then you work with the organization to try and make it right, I think, is, and that's, it does come back to relationships and that can be for a one-off thing or it could be something that you want to procure over a long period of time. But ultimately, yeah. it's, it's always thinking about what's the end result? How do you get the best end result? And that's got to get involved engaging with that supplier. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, you both mentioned um, some of the reasons for um, costs of a poor contract management. What would you say the biggest costs of poor contract management are? I think it's. Uh, I think. I think it's certainly time um, and resource. The amount of time that can be taken up, not just within the procurement with the person doing the procurement, but within an organisation as a result of of poor procurement. 
I think reputation, particularly, you know, if I go back to the blanket example, there was a massive potential reputational risk there. If those you know, blankets that weren't a specification had suddenly gone out into the marketplace, you know, it, it, or into, the mar- in, into the end customer, the end user, the beneficiary in that in that context. Um, but being able to stop that and being able to then work and revise and, and, and get that right meant reputationally, that, you know, the reputation of the organization I was worked for was protected. But I think there is a big risk with poor contract management, reputational. You know, that can be from poor quality. You know, and so if you're buying something that's poor, that's then going into a product you're producing, you know, product failure has reputational issues. There's legal issues that come with that. So if you suddenly are producing a product and, and actually the quality of it drops off and you don't manage that well, then you can end up with legal challenges and legal issues as a result of that. So legal, legal and, and reputational, I think time are, are big areas where poor contract management can cost you as an organization. Yeah. Well, one of the other big ones is, is the cost of rework and the cost of putting it right. Particularly if you've not been managing a contract well and taking Rob's example of poor quality there, sometimes you don't realize until, you know, it's further down the line and, and maybe it's one of your end users or customers or service users that that is flagged to that there is an issue with a service by that point it's probably been happening for a while and the cost of putting that right you know in terms of of, of them bringing in the supplier bringing you know looking at what are the issues and it's it's important to get the facts you know that that's one of the the, the really important things in in terms of when you do have an issue you know before you respond before you react before you sort of, you know, as, as, as Rob rightly say, don't go down that adversarial route, but get the facts, you know, what went wrong? What was the issue? Talk to the supplier. But yeah, the cost of rework. And I, some of my um, previous examples have been in, in the construction world where, where we've done contracts for quite large capital building projects. The cost of rework is, it can be extensive. If a contract hasn't been managed well, if it's been... You know, if, if a contractor has been merrily carrying on based on a specification interpretation, which, you know, isn't quite correct, you know, sometimes the, the cost of putting that right can be extensive. And then you get into the wrangle of, well, who's responsible for that? Was it clear in the specification? You know, who takes ownership of that, which then becomes, as Rob said, a legal matter sometimes. And then you get into relational difficulties. My word, the list can go on and on and on. And that's the last place you want to get to. So the simple thing is manage the contract from the start. Understand what are the risks. And that that's one of the key points here. You know, with every procurement, you've got to set out from the start, what are the risks? What could go wrong? You know, what are the big things that could, could fail? And have we addressed that in either the specification or the contract terms or as part of the evaluation of suppliers? So, you know, if it's if it's a um, an organization that that's um, providing you with with grounds maintenance services, for example, you know, there's there's risks around health and safety. Someone's going to be driving a tractor and a flail mower around a school field. So, you know, there's going to be health and safety risks there. So where are those addressed? Because once it comes to the contract management side, it's often difficult to put right because then it comes back to well actually the specification was wrong or you didn't tell us about that as part of the contract and therefore we've not costed that in so that cost of rework to put it right and and the worst case scenario there is the contract is cancelled or terminated because it's not working and you've got to put then money effort time into re-procuring it in getting it right and that is just um, horrendous i agree and i think one of the challenges with contract management sometimes is you can become so focused on the contract 
and not necessarily the context, both of the contract in which it's being delivered and also the the kind of wider environment in terms of suppliers. So, you know, as part of good contract management, you should be looking at, particularly for your more strategic products and, and services, looking at the suppliers that you're using. Are they overly reliant on you as a customer? Are they in a good financial position, a bad financial position? You know, there's a lot of stuff going on over the last, you know, 15 months, 18 months within within organizations where, you know, a lot of organizations that may have been generating huge profits are suddenly their whole business model has, has disappeared or changed over the last 18 months as a result of COVID. So there really is that constant evaluation and reevaluation of your suppliers. Are they still doing what you wanted them to do is what you're they're delivering for you core to them but is it so core that actually if you pulled away there'd be an issue with the resilience of the business or actually if they lost a different you know are they are you 10% of their business but another client is 80 90% of their business and then there's a re- resilience issue there so there's the poor contract management sometimes comes from factors which aren't directly related to your contract but it may be the environment or the context within which you or the supplier is is existing. It's, it's important to have that wider thought, I think, when you're looking at um, a contract management and say, where does this contract fit within us as an organization, within us as that supplies this from a supplier's perspective, and also within the kind of supply ecosystem, the supply system within that, which those products and services yeah. exist. Brilliant. Thank you both. Definitely due diligence is not a one-off task and is uh, and, uh, something that should be constantly done and the contract is in constant review. Definitely. Absolutely. What about if we go to the other end of the spectrum and there's no contract, things start to go wrong? What happens then, Nathan? Well, uh, I'd be surprised if there wasn't a contract. And the reason I say that is because when you think there isn't a contract, often it will be the supplier's contract. And you've possibly just overlooked that or you've not realised that actually what you signed by way of a delivery note or, or or by way of a you know an award of a um, of, of a procurement is actually on suppliers terms obviously yes that carries potential risk we'd like to think that you know suppliers as, as organizations as businesses are, are going to um, conduct themselves fairly in a contract relationship that they're not going to impose onerous terms around uh, some of the things Rob's mentioned around pricing and around termination clauses and variations. You know, that that's the hope. And we always hope for the better um, in these scenarios. But the fact that contracts exist entirely is, is, is on the basis that, you know, you, you've got to put in place something that assures the outcome of what you're spending your money on. And it's a value for money assurance that what you're getting is is what you're paying for and that you are protected if if certain issues arise so yeah i would be surprised if there is no contract the likelihood is is that somewhere down the line and you know we, we talked about evergreen contracts uh, those that have been you know you may have had a supplier for 10 15 years you know you may have worked with that account manager and he's a lovely guy and uh, you know that that's absolutely fine but you may not realize that for that entire time there's been a, a point in time where some terms and conditions have landed on someone's desk and to get it off the desk someone has just gone oh yeah it's this supplier we'll just sign it great off we go you know we all do it you know you get a new mobile contract you know i i accept these terms and conditions yes yeah, scroll down tick that's it done you know and it's really important particularly for key spends you know large value high risk spends that that you do take the time to understand what is the contract that's underpinning that and if you're not sure 
you need to be asking your supplier now because obviously part of those risks are things like what happens if we want to exit what happens if we think there's a better deal or we're made aware of a better deal what happens if there are issues with with services and supplies and there's a problem and we want to address that there's so many uh, potential risks if there is no contract so i would suggest you would need to find out as soon as possible thanks nathan Rob? Yeah, I think often one of the challenges when, particularly when new people come into an organization, I wouldn't say this is exclusively in smaller organizations, because I've definitely seen it in bigger organizations as well, where they, where they don't know where the contract exists or wh- where the contract is. But I think there is a, there can quite often be a perception that, oh, well, they just, you know, so-and-so delivers this and, you know, he, he just turns up and he knows to turn up on a Tuesday or he knows to turn up on a Friday or, and quite often what you see is almost like kind of annual maintenance and renewal contracts, that kind of stuff. People go, well, no, they don't, you know, there's no contract in place. They just come every year and they, and they do a renewal, you know, they do the fire extinguisher tests or they do whatever mm-hmm. it might be or the PAT tests, etc. And you go, well, okay, well, how often do they come? Like, well, they come every year. Okay. Well, when was the last one? Oh, it was uh, eight months ago. All right. When are they coming next? Oh, they come in next month. Hang on, that's nine months, not twelve months. And so, and then you start to ask and unravel. Oh, hang on, actually, they're doing their twelve-month inspection every ten months, so they're getting an extra payment in over a five-year agreement. And so, there's it's important, I think, when you've got sometimes it's that perception of a contract or a perception of it's kind of I know what they do and they know what they do, so you know it's okay. The problem is then when that fire inspection you know doesn't get done or it gets missed or you know it doesn't get done properly. And then you look back and go, well, actually, I haven't. Where is the agreement? Uh, and there isn't maybe something that's that's written down on on paper. I do think that's that's rare because, as Nathan said, there's, there's a classic thing called the battle of the forms, which is kind of a procurement thing where you basically in the in negotiation you're going back and forth, and you're giving your terms and conditions, and the suppliers giving their terms and conditions, and you basically battle it out to work out which ones win. Um, and which ones apply and and usually you know if it's if it's if it's something significant usually there's some degree of negotiation and discussion over them but for that uh, when that happens you've got that clarity if that hasn't happened then as nathan said they will be delivering those products and when they deliver them you'll be signing a delivery note for the and and in that delivery note signature Mm -hmm. it'll say you know you accept our terms and conditions so there will i would say nine times out of ten there is a contract or is there is a legal basis for a contract, whether that's written down or whether that's through implied through actions, but effectively yeah. where you've got offer and acceptance of a product or service, there is a contract, there's a, there's a requirement to, to provide goods and to pay for them. So it's then about how do you, how do you unpick that and how do you work out, well, what is the contract? If you don't have a physical copy of it, I, I would often say to kind of, you know, particularly if we're talking to schools, charities, small businesses, if it's, you know, photocopying, for example, they've got a new school business managers come in or a new, you know, person in the finance team or procurement assistant, purchasing assistants come in and say, well, where's, you know, where's the contract for photocopiers? Well, don't go to the supplier and say, I want to, um, can you please provide me the copy of the contract? Cause I don't have one. Go to the, ca- the photocopying company and say, we're thinking of leaving. Can you confirm what you, what your understanding of the termination notices or something along those lines? And they they will send you what they say it is. And you say, well, can you confirm to me in writing what that is or provide me a copy of the contract that you've got? Cause I want to check it's the same as the one I've got. And then when they send that, then you've got a copy of what you hope is the latest version of the contract you can start to look at. So, you know, I think there are, there are ways you can, even when you don't have a copy of the contract, you can engage with a supplier depending on who the supplier is and your level of relationship and trust. Cause that varies between not just between products and services, but between suppliers. 
I think you can have that conversation with them in different ways to get that information. And then you can make a judgment. Does this contract work? Does it not work? If it doesn't work, how do I get out of it? Thanks, Rob, for that. So, yeah, we've um, obviously discussed a lot about um, what can go wrong with uh, contract management. So what can be done to reduce or stop contract leaking value? And we'll go to Nathan. Well, the first thing I think uh, is really important is just getting visibility over what contracts are you in uh, as an organisation. So we touched on this on one of the earlier podcasts, and it's a very simple step, but a really powerful and effective step, which is pulling together what we call a contracts register, which effectively is just a list of all the contracts. So who you spend with, uh, what categories, uh, the start date, end date, annual value, and that will give you a really good list and, and as many of those uh, categories as possible, as many of those contracts. And if you're unsure, uh, then that's where you need to to sort of um, uh, look into that. And and as Rob mentioned earlier, there's way, means and ways in which you can get that information from, from suppliers. But I think it's really important to understand who your contract's with uh, to begin with. And then once you've mapped that out, it's a case of looking at how effectively are those contracts being managed? You know, whose terms are they on? Uh, when's the last time you met with those suppliers? And we've got to remember proportionality here. You know, you, don't, you, you can't be meeting with every single supplier every week. This is about understanding from your list of contracts, wh which are the biggest spend areas, which are the, which are the high risk. If those contracts were to fail, what could have the potential to to cause a major impact on your organisation, potentially shut it down? So I think it's about looking at what are the key risks for each of those contracts and then assessing whose terms are you on? Uh, what are the risks? Are those risks being covered? Yeah. When's the last time that you actually sat down and, and met with those suppliers? I would say that was a really big starting point, Emma. Great. Thanks, Nathan. Rob? Yeah, I think supplier supply management, how we engage with suppliers is, is definitely critical. I agree with Nathan there. I, th I think where I see procurement sitting with, within most organisations, certainly as it starts to mature within an organisation, procurement is, is kind of the glue between the contract supplier and the contract user, because procurement is very rarely the actual, the end customer in a, in, in a contract. It's usually the enabler for an entity or a bit a part of the organization, the charity or the business or the school that you work, that's kind of using the product or service and the supplier. So I think as well as engaging with the supplier side, it's really important to engage with the your internal customers um, and your, your stakeholders internally, because I think there's a, a lot of, uh, quite often as a contract develops and it grows, particularly longer term contracts, the requirements and the needs of that internal stakeholder, that internal customer, can get lost or, or can change. And I think it's really important. Procurement can provide that kind of glue, that, that kind of that, that linking piece between the two and, and almost slightly lack, act as an independent. So if you know, you've got you know, Joe Blog supplier providing a, a product or service into your organization, often the kind of adversarial relationships that can develop will develop between your, your internal customer, the one that's using the product or service and the supplier and procurement can kind of feel like a, a kind of that kind of mediator in the middle working and helping them both to understand each other a bit better. And that's where I think emotional intelligence in, in procurement has, has really become an area of that's developed and, mm. and you know, a good procurement person needs to have that good emotional intelligence, you need to be able to read both your internal stakeholders and, and your suppliers. So. I think in terms of reducing and stopping contracts leaking value, 
continual engagement with your internal customer, your internal stakeholder. What's working? What's not working? Why is it working? Why is that working better now than it was? Can we do more of that? Can we work with a supplier to enable them to do more of that? What? How can the supplier add value to your internal customers you know process or or product that they're trying to produce and really just acting as that kind of liaison between the two i think is is really important there is undoubtedly as contracts unfold there is more value to be had um, and so again that kind of nathan touched on it earlier i think the kind of the kind of let and forget is a terrible way of managing a contract because you're you're effectively you're leaving value you're leaving opportunity on the table um, that you could continue to get out of that contract that's for the benefit of both you know that might increase the cost of the overall contract which is beneficial to the supplier but actually if that's giving you more value um, as a, as your for your organization whether it's a charity or a school or a business whoever that might be uh, then it's definitely worth that ongoing engagement. Yeah, there's some really practical uh, things as well. And, and contract management is is proactive. It's a proactive activity. The minute it becomes reactive, you know, you've you've got a, a you know a, a, a problem where it's predominantly reactive. There's always going to be things that you need to react to. That's not to say reactive is a problem, but ideally what you want is to shift the balance from reactive to proactive and, and being proactive is things like making sure that you've got you know a, a key performance schedule within your contracts um that clearly lays out what you're expecting to be delivered that that is monitored and managed with the supplier that you meet with that supplier and i'm talking you know important contracts high value high risk contracts strategic contracts particularly where you should be meeting with those suppliers possibly monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly, whatever seems appropriate. But the format of that meeting then should um, detail then how, how, how is that contract performing? How is that supplier performing in relation to that KPI schedule? It's about understanding the terms. And we've talked about how whose terms are those, are those on. It's about monitoring the payments. It's about ensuring that the invoices match to what you actually should be charged. You know, there's a number of practical things, but it, it, it's about being proactive with that and uh, ensuring that you give due time. But like, like we said, the important thing is is not trying to do that for everything, but certainly ensuring that it's covered for the most strategically critical contracts. And, and the starting point there is understanding, you know, from an internal stakeholder perspective, what is deemed important. And in terms of the contracts registers we've discussed, you know, on paper, which is important as well. Brilliant. Thank you both. That was a very interesting insight into contract management and some very useful advice, I would say. It is a vast topic and for many organisations, a full time task, but getting it right obviously brings value and efficiencies. We have prepared some invaluable uh, free resources for you and some great webinars coming up. You can find the links in the 2x2.com podcast uh, webpage and you'll also find out where you can connect with our wonderful speakers today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and found it useful. Don't miss our next episode on how to spice up your specifications. That's not one to be missed. Please leave us a review. Uh, thanks for listening. I've been your host, Emma Edwards. See you next time. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye.